What's up, you guys? What's going on? Happy summer. Happy Monday. Hope you are doing well. I hope your past week was good. I've just spent all day on the lake, and now I am uh, drowning in Taylor Swift, Scott Borchetta, a big machine selling to Scooter Braun, uh, pop music cataclysm. Have you guys heard about this? Taylor Swift, her old record label, Big Machine Records, has now been sold to Scooter Braun, kind of the rock star famous manager of Justin Bieber and Kanye and Ariana Grande, and uh, she's pissed about it. She's very, very pissed about it, because that means Scooter Braun now owns her old masters of everything uh, since before this new record, where she signed with Universal. And she feels very betrayed in this, or at least that is what she is saying, and now... Um, I'm actually doing a whole video on it, and I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about it, but, you know, I feel sad for her that her master, like, she can't get a hold of her masters. At the same time, you know, I understand that Scott Borchetta, you know, did assume all the risk and invest in her career, and he does own those masters. That's just kind of the price you pay for the big label promotion, and... She's pissed that Scooter Braun has them. And I've always felt like, you know, she's really mad because Scooter represents Kanye. And Kanye, you know, dealt the biggest blow that Taylor's career will ever suffer in that whole thing where she was, quote unquote, exposed as lying. And, you know, that she knew about that line in his song Famous where he said, I made that bitch famous. But, um, you know, then Kim Kardashian posted a video. It's complicated. Let's not get into it. But... I've always thought Taylor actually has been kind of unfairly maligned by everyone in that whole story. And I think it, it that video, even the one Kim Kardashian tweeted way back when, years ago now, it doesn't show Taylor approving of the line, I made that bitch famous. It shows her approving of the line before that. And so, you know, everyone thinks of it like Kim and Kanye exposed Taylor in a lie. And I don't really know that that's ever what happened. And I think she's still mad about it. I think a lot of this still goes back to that exact phone call. And she says in her open letter that she wrote that, you know, this was, he is the, that Scooter Braun, this is her work, a nightmare scenario for her. That now Scooter Braun, the guy that represents Kanye, the guy that illegally uh, filmed her conversation, created this whole narrative around her. And then in his video, kind of deep faked her face onto a naked body. And she says, he stripped me in his video as revenge porn and now she's being stripped of ownership of her masters it's it, it's it's sad but you know there's another part of me that's like even though i'm sad about this it is a little um it's a little fun to watch now the whole music world kind of melt down i mean we've got justin bieber posting instagram posts that he want he thinks taylor doesn't understand scooter and um, he's a good guy and, and they want to fix it. And now Demi Lovato is getting involved in defending Scooter Braun. And then Taylor Swift's friends like Todrick Hall are maligning Scooter Braun and saying he's a bad, bad guy. And Scott Borchetta has now posted all the screenshots of his text messages with Taylor and saying like her version of events doesn't really add up. There's no way she was surprised by this news considering her father is a shareholder and there was a shareholders meeting about the sale of the company. So... Yeah, everyone's kind of melting down, and I have shot a whole video about it. I'm going to be up so late editing that, and now I'm recording this video, or recording this podcast after that video. So, 
If you're listening to this and being like, wow, I want to hear Grady talk for like 20 minutes about Taylor and Scott Borchetta, you're going to have to do that over on YouTube because um, I just, I, I can't talk anymore about it. I can't talk anymore about it. But you know, guys, I'm hustling right now. It's my last week of work. I'm going into my last week of work and I'm, I have a lot of stuff that I've shot. I shot like three, four videos this week. I recorded earlier today a patron-only podcast that'll be over on Patreon on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. If you support at the $3 or more level, you get an extra podcast episode per month. So that's the first one going up over there. And I am now doing this podcast, and I'll be editing this tonight and getting it up for Monday morning. And like I said, I've been at the lake all day. I was celebrating a friend's birthday and just had a nice lake day with sunscreen. No sunburn involved. Wonderful. Uh, What else did I do this week? I spent a good amount of time fighting off a copyright claim on my video about Dirk Bentley. And I learned a lot about the copyright system. I had to make a dispute. I had to make an appeal. I had to get in touch directly with the publishing company copywriting my video. And I think it gave me a lot of empathy for how difficult publisher's job is in the digital world. It's hard to manage all the rights of their music. And what had happened was my video had gotten automatically by a robot claimed and listed as a cover song. And so this publisher was saying, well, if you're covering Dirk Bentley's music, well, then we should get the royalty from that. But I was like, this isn't a cover song. This is a news video. And once I explained it to them, I think I got a little bit of help. Um, from one of the higher-ups there, and it all worked out. It all worked out. But I think it helped me see, (laughs) you know, granted, I put a whole day of work in, so it was a big pain, but it helped me understand that I think going forward, I'm going to need to, you know, just literally pick up the phone, get in touch with these publishing companies, demand uh, that they understand that what I do is transformative and that it's news. And I think that's going to be a long process, but we're going to figure it out together. And I think it's the right thing to do. And I'm glad to be figuring it out. Uh, So that was a big part of my week. Another big part of my week was seeing Toy Story 4 with some friends. This has sort of uh, been a nice little surprise. Have you guys seen Toy Story 4? Freaking fun. A really fun movie. I was surprised. I mean, Toy Story 3 I thought was perfect, but Toy Story 4 was really good. Was it as good as Toy Story 3? I can't say that. I wouldn't say that. But I thought Toy Story 4 was really good. And what I've taken away from that movie, besides laughing about Forky and Dale Kaboom and my favorite character, the the third Carl Combat, he's in like 20 seconds of the movie, but I love him. I think what I really took away from it was this dichotomy between Woody, who is loyal, loyal to his fellow toys, and loyal to his kid, almost to a fault, and then Bo Peep, his long-lost love, who has kind of been reinvented as like a Mad Max, motorcycle-riding, feminist, uh, you know, nomad. And Bo Peep is independent, almost to a fault. What are you doing here? No time to explain. Come with me. We need to get back to our kid. Aw, Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue. Bonnie needs Forky. Woody, who needs a kid's room when you can have all of this? Wow. And the group of friends and I that went and saw this, we've kind of been using Bo Peep and Woody as this spectrum for, 
how we think about ourselves. Are you more of a Woody or more of a Bo Peep? Are you being loyal or are you being independent? Are you doing what you want to do or are you doing which is what the people around you want to do? And I think I'm a Bo Peep, to be honest. You know, I know I'm a guy. I know I have a green cowboy hat behind me and, and Woody wears a cowboy hat, but I, I'm more of a Bo Peep. I'm very independent. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like when publishers claim my videos. I don't like having a regular nine to five job. I like saying what I want, doing what I want on my schedule. And look, a big part of me growing, a big part of me progressing through my 20s was realizing I got to not be that way so much. I actually need to think about the people around me. I need to be considerate and kind and thoughtful and recognize that I'm not the only person in the universe. The whole world does not revolve around Grady Smith. People don't, people are walking in sunny indifference to me. And, and so being a Bo Peep, what am I talking about? Guys, I'm talking about Toy Story 4. What, what the hell are we? I went from Taylor Swift. You know who, you know, you know who is a, a Bo Peep is Taylor Swift. She's a Bo Peep. And she wanted Scott Borchetta to be a Woody. She wanted him to be loyal to her and give her her masters, but uh, he's a Bo Peep too. This is what happens when you got two Bo Peeps. And probably most artists, most creative people are Bo Peeps. Um, wow. We got a whole industry of Bo Peeps, you guys. So, anyway. I don't know what I was saying. I think I'm just realizing I gotta be, to be a good person, you gotta embrace some Woody. And maybe some of you guys out there are real loyal and you're, you're stuck in friendships you don't want to be in and you're more, you're more of a Woody and you need some of that peep action. You got to get that peep going on in your life. So, so that's that. That was Toy Story 4. And what was really fun, here's the country music connection. Uh, two things. I had two revelations this week. One, I really like the Chris Stapleton song that plays over the credits of Toy Story 4. I'll pop a little bit of this in right here. I was alone I really, really like that song. Um, doesn't it sound nice? That came on in the credits and I was like, oh, Chris Stapleton, hello. And I realized I'd forgotten to listen to, to that song. It's no, I got a friend, you got a friend in me, but it's a nice song. The other realization I had was thinking about John Party's Ain't Always the Cowboy. Her hands wrapped up in mine, tears rolling out of her eyes. No messing with the made up mind. And that song is about how it's not always the cowboy. I mean, the that wants space in a relationship. That's the stereotype in songs like Space Cowboy by Casey Musgraves, that the cowboy needs space, but ain't always the cowboy saying sometimes the girl needs space too. And man, that song, I talked about it last week, but it has kept growing on me. I realized that uh, maybe this is the ballad of Bo Peep. Maybe Ain't Always the Cowboy is the ballad of Bo Peep. That should be the parenthetical in the title of the song. Ain't Always the Cowboy, the ballad of Bo Peep. Because she's the one that wants space. She wants to keep moving on. And no spoilers, I'm not giving any spoilers in this. But 
I think maybe John Party saw a preview screening of Toy Story 4 and he wrote the ballad of Bo Peep, Ain't Always the Cowboy, even though he didn't write that song. So that was my week, you guys. That was my week. Lake birthday parties, a lot of work. I've, uh, I got some more stuff from the Buy Nothing group for the little studio that I'm trying to set up downtown. And I'll keep you guys posted. You know, my idea is to still film videos in my room, but why I lease the space downtown is to move the podcast over there. That way I could have guests, I can get it set up, we can film it, but it's hard to, it's hard to film. I have a DSLR camera, but can only record 30 minutes. So, you know, I I talk more than 30 minutes sometimes on these podcasts and I don't know how that's going to work. And um, I need to figure out lighting and it's just going to be a little bit before you should expect to see video versions of the podcast. But look, the whole idea of a podcast is that you have the audio of it. So I shouldn't worry too much about it, but that's on the way. Um, and that was my week, you guys. I hope you had a good week. I hope you had some woody time and maybe uh, got like a, a coffee with your loved ones and your friends and you heard about their problems and you talked about, I don't know, how much you like the Luke Combs EP, or maybe you talked about, oh, oh my gosh, speaking of talking about things, this is so dumb. I got into a conversation with a friend this week about the song Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. Do you know the song? He was a boy, she was a girl. obviously like a punk anthem and we were talking about how Avril Lavigne was 15 when she recorded this and and I was like you know what's weird this is kind of a story song this is kind of a country song it's this you know girl looking back at her uh you know this guy that this girl was too snooty for because he was a skater and she was all prim but I was like wouldn't this song be awesome if it were turned into a 90s country song and recorded by like a Reba or a Trisha Yearwood or something. And so I am excited to tell you that I spent some time. <laughs> I spent time this week looking up instrumental versions of songs like She's in Love with the Boy, even Brand New Man by Brooks and Dunn. And I finally found one where this really tracks. And I want you to just go on a little journey of imagination with me. And this is me. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. This is Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne, reimagined. I want you to imagine that the voice coming out of me is like Reba or something, but to the tune of Heads Carolina, Tales California by Jody Messina. And I really think this works. I really think I'm on to something, and maybe Avril should find uh, a country gal to re-record this song. He was a boy and she was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? And he was a punk, she did ballet. What more can I say? He wanted her and she'd never tell that secretly she wanted him as well. But all of her friends stuck up their nose and had a problem with his baggy clothes. 
He was a skater boy, she said see you later boy He wasn't good enough for her She had a pretty face, but her head was up in space She needed to come back down to her Guys, do you hear this? Am I, am I not onto something? I'm onto something. You know I am. It's perfect. It's perfect. And honestly, doesn't it seem like something that like an older gal would be recording? Doesn't it kind of seem like, it's kind of weird for a 15 year old to have this whole song looking back on uh, this relationship that didn't work and be thinking about pretension and whatnot. That comes later. That comes later. Anyway, I can't believe I just recorded that, but uh, that gorgeous anthem, one of you guys can make it more beautiful for me. I just need a, I just need a, a 90s, an 80s lady or a 90s country gal to sing that for me. But there's a lot better music we could be talking about, and that's what I want to get into on in today's podcast. I think I was talking something about Woody and Bo Peep, and um, I'm not going to finish that conversation. I'm going to peep my way away and be independent and, and talk about what I want to on this podcast. Um, and today, that is my favorite country music of 2019 so far, because there's been so much good music. And since this is dropping on July 1st, we're exactly six months of the way through the year, let's just talk about some of the best music that has come out this year. All my favorite country music. And you guys, if you've been following the channel closely, I bet you can guess a lot of these songs. But I just thought it would be fun to kind of do a little uh, recap. So the albums that immediately come to mind for this are uh, a few. And the first one I want to talk about is Charles Wesley Godwin's Seneca. We got married and to This album just completely blew me away when I heard it. This is a guy that I was just getting a lot of buzz. And he came out of West Virginia, out of coal country. He actually has a song called Coal Country. And he's got an incredible kind of bellowing baritone. He has like a little bit of a bleat in his voice. And I think it's such a good storyteller voice. And he's singing songs about Appalachia. This, this whole record is in, in some ways a love letter and a, a bit of a criticism of his, his homeland in West Virginia. But there's a few songs on here, like Hardwood Floors is a big surprise to me. Um, Sorry for the Wait is just an incredible song kind of reflecting on death and um, there, there's a real haunting vibe in it. Coal Country, I think is a big standout on this. Those are the three that I would recommend. Uh, I couldn't get enough of this record. It sounds uh, just so lushly textured, so intentionally conceived, and it just was a, it makes me think. I'm kind of rambling about it. I'm lost for words on it, but I love Charles Wesley Godwin Seneca and can't wait to see what he does next. Strawberry Queen, that's another gorgeous song on this record. Anyway, you've heard me talk a ton about it, and I'll talk a ton more about it later in the year. I also really loved Flatland Cavalry's Homeland Insecurity. Guys, I had fun becoming a Flatland Cavalry fan this year.
They are a band that's out of Texas. Their lead singer is named Cleto Cordero, and he is an amazing songwriter. I love his way with words. I think it, when I first talked about this record on the channel, I mentioned this one line in their song, Pretty Women, where he says, no shade of ruby red Revlon lip liner. And I commented on all the R's in that sentence, ruby red Revlon, but then you get the lawn is an L sound, lawn lip liner. And so you get like fun uh, consonants and assonance in the way he writes, and he cares a lot about wordplay. Sleeping Alone is one of the most gorgeous records of the year, um, or songs of the year, where the, the, the first line of that is counting constellations on the popcorn ceiling. Such a good image about being alone in a hotel room. But I actually think this record's much more upbeat, much more happy than, and their music has a certain kind of hopefulness to it and a real joyous vibe to me. Um, than it is just the sad songs that I'm kind of quoting right now. I think Flatland, I got to see them live in Richmond, and they their fiddle player, Wes, is unbelievable. I mean, they brought the house down time after time. They're exciting, they're fun, the songwriting is good. If you're one of these people that, you know, has been ride or die with the Turnpike Troubadours and you're looking for your next Texas band to kind of fan out on, I would really recommend Flatland Cavalry. I think they're going places. Yola's Walk Through Fire is another one that I've been super into. I take a ride out in the country, get some wind in my head, let it all go like I is uh, got this kind of awesome vintage sound, but I don't feel like it's played out. And honestly, her voice is so, so strong. I mean, she can do these huge, incredible ballads um, that she stands up to some of that production, some of the kind of vintage Dan Auerbach production. There's songs on here that feel a little more, I guess, almost like a primitive sound to them. And I like that a lot. It kind of feels a lot more mountainous, a lot more Appalachian to me. Um, but then I, I like when she goes kind of for the big soul moments on this record. I think some of those are really effective. It's really fun to listen to. More recently, I've loved the Luke Combs EP. I think that's one of the best things that's been released this year. That's That EP is five for five. All the songs on it are good, truly. Daddy, I'm afraid Won't you stay a little while Keep me safe Cause there's monsters right outside Daddy, All the songs on it are good. Even Though I'm Leaving, I think is the standout, and I think it seems to be the crowd favorite as well. As you're getting, you know, that classic sort of evolving storyline of uh, a chorus meaning something slightly different every time, and... Um, we're getting stuff about the passage of time and a relationship with a father and a son. It's just compelling stuff. And Luke is so on fire right now. Super, super easy for, I think, everyone to root for. Uh, Reba's record is awesome. It's a classic country record. Reba McIntyre made a, a, a comeback album this year. And she's she's got a, a fiddly-diddly little uh, collection of great country songs. I feel like uh, Cactus in a Coffee Can is the one that I remember the most from that record. 
and I like a story song. And this is about a girl uh, traveling back with a cactus that has just said goodbye to her, or been reunited and said goodbye to her mother. It's very melodramatic as a song, but I like it. My mama's first love was crack. She made her living lying on her back. And she gave me away on the day that I was born. Um, I also really, album-wise, have gravitated toward Aaron Watson's latest record, Red Bandana. It's a good record. It's a really, really, really good record. And I think as I've had a whole week now with this record under my belt, I think Riding with Red is a major standout. Country Radio is a major standout. Uh, the Ghost of Guy Clark is one of my favorite musical moments of the whole year. Uh, I even really like the song Dark Horse. I really get something out of that song and Aaron saying, I've got a chip on my shoulder, but it doesn't weigh me down. I rode in to town with a dream and a song, but they told me that I just don't belong. And the fable of a label that stomped on my heart, added fuel to the fire, added soul to my art. So I went back home like all those outlaw boys. Bought a van, got a band, making my brand of noise. So I built with my hands my own destiny. And I became what they said that I couldn't be. I got a chip on my shoulder, but it doesn't weigh me down. I got a chip on my shoulder, but it doesn't weigh me down. I got a chip on my shoulder, but it doesn't weigh me down. It whispers, get back up when I'm knocked on the ground. Today's your day in the sun. You're rolling like a young gun. Now it's your time to ride. I think this record has such life in it and such musicality and such texture and Aaron Watson just does his own thing. I like his kind of talk singing. I like how earnest he is on this record. I even think that some of the uh, You On My Hands, that is like my favorite of his sexy songs. But I, I think like his, his tribute to the, to the 58 people killed at the Riot 91 festival, there's so much life and thought in this record. And I just like hearing something that is so thoughtful. Singles-wise, there's a few songs that I think really stand out this year. I've found myself listening a lot to uh, Maren Morris's All My Favorite People. I don't know about them, but I know about us. It is what it is, and we love who we love. Not everybody gets what we're going through, but all my favorite people do. Yeah. I do not love her new record at all. It kind of is... Got this. It, it, it's too poppy for my taste, but I love the song All My Favorite People. It's kind of hard for me not to just think that is a joy to listen to. I think God's Country is such a standout single for Blake. I saw the light in a sunrise sitting back in a 40 on the muddy riverside getting baptized in holy water and shine with the dogs running. Just a tremendously dark weird choice. I was surprised that he put this out. Very surprised that he put it out after so many years of playing it safe as a voice judge. I love that he went gothic on us and got all dark and strange. And it's paying off for him. It's becoming this giant standout kind of career-defining hit. Uh, Heartache Medication by John Party I think is a cool single move. Serve me up right. 
right when he could have gone more pop, he went more country. And he had such like a, a, a slow rise with the California Sunrise era, and this was his time that he could have sold out, and he didn't. Instead, he went countryer than he's ever gone with heartache medication, and um, I think that's a pretty bold move that I have respect for. Um, I also really, really, really like Lady Antebellum's new single, What If I Never Get Over You. What if I'm trying, but then I close my eyes and right back, lost in that last goodbye. What if time doesn't do what it's supposed to do? What if I never get over you? I think the verses are way too broad. I think if they had gotten a little more specific in the verses, this song could be a classic, but I also just think it is so listenable. It's so fun to listen to. Um, I j they, they sound gorgeous, and I'm glad they're back to their sad duets. That's what Lady Annabellum does best. <laughs> and then the last one I want to talk about song-wise is Tyler Childers' All Yorin. I know that's very recent, but I freaking love it. I think it sounds real nice. I think it sounds real nice. Um, it's a it's his sweet little love song, and I'm into it. There's a bunch of other things I could shout out, and I don't love spending a lot of time on, on year-end or on mid-year stuff, just because I feel like, well, we're going to check in again at the end of the year, and I don't want to get, you know, then, we're, then I'd feel like I have to start doing quarterly lists if I'm doing every half year but other stuff that's really stood out to me this year i have liked uh the cactus blossoms record quite a bit that made me feel like i was in hawaii i've liked robert ellis's record texas piano man um i've loved george Strait's record how did i forget to talk about that uh, i've also really liked uh what's it called jake owens record greetings from jake i think that's an underrated record it's not selling well at all at all which is interesting, because he's had a bunch of big hits. But I actually think he made a really good record. Uh, Brooks and Dunn's reboot, I thought was a super fun experiment. Nothing to complain about there. And... I don't know. What else am I going to say? There's always a few good songs on every record. Like, I didn't like FGL's record at all. Uh, but I really like the song Speed of Love on there. And I like the song Told You. I doubt either of them will get singled. Um, I really liked... Uh, this is one song called One Big Country Song, which is the new single from Low Cash, who is a band I despise, but I actually find that a very likable track. And then, you know, it's been fun to get into Co Wetzel. It's been, uh, I like the last track on Thomas Rhett's record, but on the whole, I, you know, the ones I've mentioned already are the ones I really like. Um, and Gone West. I'm, I'm watching Gone West with eager eyes because that's Colby Calais' new quartet. I'm into them and want to see what they what they do. They have a new single out now that I haven't listened to, but I am into them as well. And oh my gosh, you guys, I'm forgetting two of the main things that are literally written on this. You hear this little card? They're literally written on this card in front of me. That's Cody Johnson's record. Ain't nothing to it. When you got nothing on, there ain't no Loving you all night long. 
my favorite songs on there would be Nothing On You, which they just chose as a single. That's the kind of sex jam on the record, and I think it's a kind of nice uh, waltz ballad. And I, I had fun getting to know Cody's voice. Very gruff, very uh, strong musical record. I liked when he, I love Dear Rodeo on this album, and I enjoyed getting to see what all the buzz has been about from Cody Johnson. And then the last one I really want to talk about, and it came out like the very first weekend of the year. I think that's why I forgot to mention it, because it's sitting here at the top of my card, is Randy Hauser's Magnolia. So I headed up to Memphis on the train. Got sidetracked in the Mississippi rain. Picked up a case of Delta Blues. I watched it down the Tennessee blues. This was his big comeback record, his big, big comeback record, and him kind of planting his flag and, and getting away from all the bro country nonsense he was doing. No Stone Unturned remains one of the best songs of this year. Um, so I'm really proud of him for making that. So those are records I really, really am liking right now. Uh, I have a playlist on Spotify. It's called Grady Smith, Favorite Country Music. Grady Smith, space, dash, space, Favorite Country Music parentheses 2019 um and i've been updating that throughout the year i gotta get it a little more updated but every album i listen to i can add up to three songs on there so check out that playlist if you're on spotify and uh, if you want to see any of my recommendations i try and keep it updated as i go throughout this year so um you can see a lot of those songs on there but that's what i got you guys that is what i got and that's where i'm going to cut this off you know, I think that was a kind of rambly end of the podcast. I think I, I'm trying to figure out if I want to co-host for this. I'm trying to figure out a lot of stuff. But you guys, I don't need to figure it all out tonight, you know? So all you little woodies, all you little Bo Peeps out there, uh, thank you. you. I feel like you guys treat me like you're all woodies. You're all so kind and you're all very loyal to me. And I'm loyal to you. Um... And, and you guys, you, you let me bow peep around and do whatever I want on this podcast. And hey, it's a free country. I can do whatever I want. But I, I recognize we probably got to get a format under our belts here. I can't just always ramble. Maybe I can. Maybe I can. Anyway, at this point, I should stop. So let's bring in the flatland and let's get out of here. Bye, you guys. Trapped inside her eyes Red lipstick from the blood of all them